Hey everyone, before we get started, I just want to talk about our sponsor, Anchor. Anchor simply is the perfect place to go if you're trying to start a podcast. First off, free, that's great, but there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Super easy to use, super intuitive. Uh, And then once you have that edited, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places uh, where you listen to podcasts. And when they're distributed, you can start making money from your podcast right away, no minimum listenership, start getting that Anchor money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm right now to get started. Now, the Schooner Pod. After a little Orange Bowl loss? Yeah, you know what? We're back. Welcome back to the Schooner Pod. I'm Bobby Howard here with Jameson Maxwell. And it, yeah, it was rough. But you know what? We're back here to wrap up uh, here to wrap up the season. Jameson, it was a rough one, but you know, let's let's wrap up the season with just the brief final thoughts on OU Alabama, because you know what? We got some better stuff to talk about. Yeah, I mean, you can kind of take it two directions. You could take the really pessimistic nature and kind of agree what Jim Traber was saying on the radio, which I actually really do think that if Alabama wanted to, they could have just took it as into the dirt. They could have ran up the score up to 70 points if they really wanted to. Our cornerbacks weren't playing the inside route, and they did no scouting on the RPO slant, and we just got burned. I mean, that's what they all talked about the whole time. I alluded to Josh Jacobs is going to run all over us. He did. All the things that we were scared of just from just guys who don't pay too much, too much attention to the kind of the logistics of football kind of found out. Uh, it, and it shows how poor our defensive staff was. But also you can take the optimistic nature. There's a lot of people you can go online. There's these tiny little like things that you could have changed. Say if you would have done that, played the inside on the corner, take away the slant, uh, do little things here and there that would have made that game closer. Uh, I, I'm going to lean more on the pessimistic side. I don't think it was as close as everyone was saying was, oh, we played so well second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, but I think Alabama was really holding themselves back. Yeah, and I think defensively you could tell that Alabama was getting everything they wanted. Um, the pace of the game, the reason why they weren't scoring as quick, that's because they wanted to do that. They wanted to bleed the clock and keep the ball out of the hands of Kyler Murray and crew. And also here and there, I think a lot of it had to do with um, just – just weird discipline. They were, they were out of the game after they were up 28 nothing. It, it was it was over. So. Yeah, and you could see they could get it whatever they want without two of his passing the ball. Like the only couple of incompletions he had was that one drop on the sideline and then just a couple – like I think he had three incompletions or something. I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it was very minor. It was crazy. If they wanted to do something, they could do it. The only time they were stopped, as Nick Saban said at halftime, was because of penalties by that doofus – offensive linemen oh, God, or just awful. just unfortunate or unfortunate drops i mean there was OU did nothing absolutely nothing to stop it and it was- we said we wanted to win the turnover battle and that's the, that's a way we could win and as soon as that first drive came out and they hit the long pass i was really down but when that fumble happened i said here it is here's the turnover battle we need to win it by two you know overturn it was just demoralized it was a shot to the gut and, you could and tell from that, then on, it was just poor. It was poor the whole game. Yeah, you could tell it reverberated back to the offense because, I mean, Kyler and crew just looked deflated. There was no energy at all coming out of that offense drive at all, and like to kick it off. It was rough. It was 
unfortunate, but you know what? Like that's just kind of how it happens. You have to be perfect against Alabama. Um, yeah, and I think I think deferring was like the right move. I, do you that's, agree? That's what I thought. I was a big fan of deferring. I've been a, I was a fan of it with uh, West when we did it with with uh, West Virginia. Was a fan when we did it against Texas. Um, I mean, you can easily you know sit here hindsight twenty twenty and say that it wasn't the right move because it didn't work. But I mean, I think if OU's offense got in a roll and kept it close, getting the ball back second half would have been massive. I mean, we're one yeah, elbow definitely. we're one elbow away from it being a, a huge play and you know, the offense would get the rhythm and I think it was the right move. I think to say that yeah. it, I don't know. I think I think the biggest thing things were momentum being an issue. I don't think Alabama's defense after especially after what we saw in the Clemson game last night, I don't think Alabama's defense was that big of a deal against OU. I think a lot of it was momentum. Clemson's offense did what we wanted to do with them. As they what we alluded to and what the reporters were alluding to is Alabama's defense is strong, but it doesn't have depth. So if you run them up the field and you play a shootout with them, they've never had to deal with a shootout before. So they, they're going to be gassed. And you could see that with Quentin Williams was doing his best, but there was a scene where the reporters like, look at all the defensive linemen. They got their hands on their hips. They got their hands on their hips and Trevor Lawrence was just gashing them. See, that's what a team with a good offense and a good quarterback can do to a team like Alabama if they've got a good defense to back them up. And that's where OU is missing. Exactly, because they couldn't force Alabama's offense off of the field and get the off and get you know get the offense back and have those guys running. But you know that's yeah, and and an unfortunate turnover went on the first drive Clemson's way rather than OU's. It didn't. Uh, that Tua ball was just a bad throw, and it just landed right to that cornerback who was in the area. The cornerback didn't really jump the route, didn't really do anything. It kind of just was landed right to him. And that's, like we said, with momentum. That was momentum that Alabama couldn't just couldn't turn around from. I think, I, I, yeah, I think OU in that specific game probably wasn't closer than, wasn't as close as it should have been at all. Um, but you know what? I think that given the fact that it was probably the worst case scenario, I think that was the worst possible game OU probably could have played against Alabama, at least to start. Um, yes, I don't think you take any moral victories towards the end, especially defensively. But I think offensively, if OU if, if OU doesn't get off to a, a the start that they did, I think that I think that that's a closer game. I don't think we win. I don't know if we win, but I definitely don't think Alabama was or not that completely rolled over OU. It's at least on defense all the way. Yeah, if we played again, we wouldn't win. Simple as that. Our defense just can't handle it. Like I said, I really do think Alabama could score 70 on us if they wanted. Uh, But our offense would have played a lot better. It was really sad seeing Kyler Murray do it all for us, really. He was trying his heart out. He couldn't, like, we we didn't think he was going to have a big run play. He couldn't. He had a couple ones where he ran around and did his best, get six yards. Six yards is really good. Like, that, that's going to get you first downs. But the problem is, whenever you don't have your best player, Marquise Hollywood Brown, other than Kyler, uh, catching balls and doing anything for us, and it came out that it wasn't an ankle. And we, I, I was talking about how it didn't make any sense how it was an, it w- with the timeline of recovery, it'd be an ankle. It was a pulled muscle on his foot, which is a complete different game. The recovery of pulled muscles on your foot, I mean, that is the most, I, I can't describe it, it's the most variable recovery timeline because, like, Things with like plantar fasciitis and um, just various pull muscles of the foot is just so nagging with your walking. 
ankle is like a stability thing where it's like you can with putting weight on it but with like feet it's just an absolute uncomfortable thing and it definitely was in his head yeah. and it makes complete I sense. thought a lot of that was mental and you can tell that some of that carried over from the Texas game which he was making drops that were right in his hand very uncharacteristic stuff but you know what are you going to do um it's a bummer how it ended but you know I think I think until we get a defense and you know, we'll, t- we'll move on a little bit and talk about some of the changes we've made. Uh, until we get a defense, that's probably OU's. Uh, this is probably as far as, as we expected OU to go this year, maybe even farther. Um, so I'm, I'm happy with how the season ended up. Not, I, I mean, I, in, in retrospect, I'm like, this is not a bad season. I'm not going to throw my computer out the window and, you know, blame everyone, like f- think that we should fire everyone. But you know what? I'm not. I'm not going to go the lengths of some gooners and say that uh, Lincoln Riley should be fired or we should look at if he's the guy. Like this is a, this is a good year for what we had. Um, I had the honor of listening to the sports animal right after the game. I drove home, uh, and uh, the first caller, not even joking, was quick <laughs> to trash talk Lincoln's preparation for the game. And I was just like, this can't be scripted. Legitimately, they got a guy on saying, Lincoln Riley should have prepared for this better than he and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, we need to, we need to start looking. I'm like, are you kidding me? Really? Is this fake? Is this yeah, real? Yeah, I mean, everyone's heard the quote of uh, Mike Tyson had, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Oh, you got punched in the mouth. It's plain and simple. That's just how football works sometimes. Yeah, and we, we weren't ready for him. We, we didn't have the personnel to beat them, and – personnel is huge coaching can do so much we this new defensive coaching age that we're going to have is going to help us but personnel was extremely noted whenever Quentin Williams was taken to town one of the highest regarded offensive lines in the country yeah last night uh we're recording this the uh, the day after the national championship it was uh, that was a bit shocking I thought I thought Clemson was good was was good don't get me wrong but I think a lot of that had to be um, questions about their uh, a lot of questions about who they've played, and I think I, I was I think they're clearly probably at least co the best uh, college football program in the country. I don't think it's in Alabama, and then you know Clemson's like kind of a little step below. They're just as good, if not better, than Alabama as a program. Um, that was impressive what they did. Clemson finally lived up to all the hype. Not, no, I wouldn't say hype. To all the highest, best-case scenario expectations that they had in the preseason. Like I was saying last night, I, I picked Clemson to win the national championship. My, nas- my final four was really poor. It was a really bad prediction because I, I wanted to be a little bold. But I felt pretty good about Clemson because that defense is something scary. Uh, the three-front Christian Wilkins, uh Dexter Lawrence didn't play last night, so that I mean, that shows you how. Oh. Think if they had Dexter Lawrence, That's wild. like how much that would have been. Like this dude's a this dude's going to go in the twenties of the draft in April, and then uh, Clellan Farrell is just an animal. It's it's amazing that they had those three guys on the defensive line this year, and you're missing one of them, and they did that last night. And it wasn't the defensive line that won them the game. It, it's all the pieces that came together. One of the best quarterback prospects of all time, the number one overall recruit. In last year's class, Trevor Lawrence showed, hey, in two years, whenever I'm going to the draft, this is going to be a team 
trading up four or five future first round picks. You you think Carson Wentz and RG three and all those trades where they traded up into the top two picks to get was a lot a high asking price? I can't even imagine how high of an asking price this Trevor Lawrence one was going to be. He's going to be one of the best quarterback prospects that we've seen in recent history. Oh yeah, the guy is, is an absolute gamer. I mean, incredible, incredible player, really top to bottom. Um, it was not stunning that they switched him, uh, switched out Kelly Bryant for him at all. Uh, this guy, this guy is next level. Jeez, um, it, it it's shocking. Um, I don't really have a lot to say about about that. Um, it's one thing when you're beating up on Pitt and you know Virginia and whoever you know whatever garbage team the ACC throws at you, but it's another when you just absolutely clown an Alabama team like that. It, I mean, yeah, wow. Lawrence is a, is just an next level guy. Definitely going to win the Heisman in a couple of years. Probably the would I, I would you, would would you put him as a favorite or would you put Tua as the favorite? I think it's way too hard to tell. Uh, yeah, Probably even money on both. I I don't know if I'm ready to say he's going to be a Heisman Trophy winner just because of the scheme that he plays in. I don't. I Dabo's never really shown me anything to produce a guy that's going to win a Heisman. They kind of win with their balanced attack with whenever they had this year, their running game was more suited than their passing game. He's going to have the skill. He's going to be really efficient. I don't see him as the numbers. I think Tua wins it next year just because of the whole revenge thing. And there's no doubt he's going to be awesome because all of his receivers are young. Uh, it's going to be the same pretty much with the offensive line and the receivers aside from Jonah Williams at the left tackle. Uh, the storyline is a huge part when it comes down to the Heisman, and there's no doubt that Tua has it. For sure. The revenge factor, I think you're going to hear about it all year um, in the same vein of like the 2014 Spurs championship where they're out to get redemption and all that. It's going to be annoying, and I, I think Alabama definitely has not only the schedule but the team to do it. Uh, I mean, their, their toughest game is Duke and Atlanta. I mean, come on. Our toughest non-conference yeah, like- is Duke and Atlanta. Um the East sets up well for them. I think the toughest. I think they play South Carolina in, um, in jet in. I can't remember the name of their stadium. Bryce Williams or whatever they play. They play at South Carolina. I'm not super afraid of them at all. Uh, it, it's the schedule sets up well. Um, I guess College Station's going to be tough. I don't. I don't really know how to feel about Texas A and M. They looked good I, in their ball game. I I'm buying in. I'm buying in on Texas A and M. That's that's a team that I would gladly buy stock in. Not gladly. I confidently buy stock in. I hate to say it because we've got, as OU fans, we've got a lot of beef with them, especially in the recruiting trail. But you've got to respect the job that they're doing in the recruiting Definitely. trail. Definitely. Jimbo is a good coach. Whatever What people say, they can give him a lot of crap, but he's a good coach. And he turned them around this year. They took a really good step. That LSU game is, even though it's, multiple multiple overtimes that win was very impressive their bowl win they won emphatically versus a team that only lost what three games this year i understand nc state was really overrated but they had one of the top quarterbacks in the nation so this this defense is going to turn up being really good and they've got a young quarterback returning kellen mond i'd be scared of them next year oh for sure i um i I think i'd be afraid of them again they have to play at clemson uh that's going to be a tough challenge for them it's always hard to uh it's hard to win in any Death Valley, either of them, uh, either the Baton Rouge or the Clemson version. But um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how A and M works out. I think they definitely have the potential to screw up either A and M or I mean, A&M, Alabama or 
Clemson's national or undefeated run. I, uh, in fact, I'm going to make a prediction right now. They're going to beat either one. They're going to beat one of those teams. Um, that'll be a team to look out for for sure. But uh, enough about A&M. Any other final thoughts on the national championship before we move on to uh, kind of wrapping up this season uh, for OU? No, I'd be happy to move on from this playoff. Yeah, this has been, it's been a gross one. I think everything from the venue to the rematch again, uh, just, I, it's always rough because I, I keep, even though we kind of got handed, it handed to us by Alabama, you just don't, there's a, there's a tiny thing in the back of your head where you're like, you know what? We were right there. Um, so yeah, let's just wrap the season up. Yeah, I'll put it, put it up on the wall at the Mott and just call it good. Um, what is the one thing you kind of think of, we'll, we'll think of in this, I guess, in 2018? What, is this, what was this a year of for you? I've definitely hit on this before, but I'll say it again. Whenever we grow up, and you, and you hear it from, from your dad and everything, like they'll say, oh, back in my day, this was like, this was the guy. These were the coaches. Like when I grow up and I could tell my kids this, I'll say, I was there watching the games whenever we had back-to-back Heisman winner at the quarterback position. I got to watch Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. This was the season of the Heisman Trophy glitz and glam, cool storyline of Kyler Murray. And that's something I'll never forget about. We are so thankful as OE fans, and we're really, really quick to just, with our high expectations, to kind of dog on stuff. We are so thankful to have the teams that we've had recently. We have not really had like a really ugly, bad season in our lifetime. And here's just another season that we had low expectations for that ended up being awesome. So just all in all, just we're so thankful to be cheering for a good team that makes the playoff. And even though if we do get whooped, that is so much better than a lot of other schools that are even really good programs that they get to cheer for. Exactly. I mean, our worst season that I can remember was, I mean, Probably it was either the Rhett Bomar year or two thousand yeah the two thousand five year with Rhett Bomar or two thousand fourteen with Trevor Knight and those were only five lost seasons that's not bad at all most teams would kill for that um, which you know I'm I'm you know at OU you obviously have higher expectations but you gotta you gotta you know appreciate the wins um, for me this is going to be the year that and outside the Kyler thing which is obvious because I mean that guy probably the most dynamic player I've ever seen in my life. Um, but for me, this is the season that OU Texas fully came back. I don't know if I can say Texas is back in terms of what a lot of people think in terms of the top uh, top hierarchy of college football. But this is definitely the year that the rivalry got back in full swing. Um, I mean, just just from from OU Te- the OU Texas game with the uh, last second field goal that beat us to to really now, it's been nonstop just trash talk between the two sides. It's uh, the uh, recruiting is back at a high level for both teams. We're fighting over the same guys. Um, the the redemption of the Big Twelve championship was huge. Then Texas goes back and wins a, a Sugar Bowl, and now they won't shut up. It, it's perfect. This is how you Texas should be. It's a year long event. It never really ends. The chirping doesn't end. It's two te- two teams going mono and mono a mono back and forth. It's, it's beautiful, and this is a year that it truly feels like OU Texas again. So I'm, I'm going to – outside of Kyler, I think that this is probably – that's probably what I'm going to remember it as this is a turning point where OU Texas became back. Yeah, absolutely, and that's something we can be really blessed upon just as the Big 12 Conference itself 
Uh, we've been worried a lot about how the Big 12 Conference validity is going to stand up. Now I'm at the point where if Texas is going to be back and playing at this level, I don't, I don't feel the need to move. Talk to me a year ago, I'd feel like I'd kind of want to move to the Big 10 or something. Right now, I'm happy. This is awesome. As long as OU and Texas are good, the Big 12 is set. Yeah, it's going to be very healthy. It's financially fantastic with its uh, with how it splits the money, you know, between 10 teams instead of 14 or 12. Uh, so financially, it's fine, and I I like I kind of like the culture. I like I like having all the Texas schools right there, and you know, some of the Kansas schools for basketball. West Virginia's, you know, they're a fun little oddity, but for the most part, I like that you can kind of drive everywhere. Um, that's a huge Definitely. plus. Well, we'd be remiss wrapping up the season without talking about uh, Bull Mania. And um, despite some probably nefarious strategy on his part, uh, well, Jameson, you won. You, like you said, you, uh, congrats on the back-to-back Bull Mania championships. What do you have to say? Uh, I trash-talked Blake at the beginning of this because he was saying, oh, I won the, the weekend spread, all this blah, blah, blah. He's a big better. And he thinks that, oh, I, I do all this research and I get all this money. You're barely even positive. I just won $30 for free on another bull pick That puts me $60 up and I haven't put any money in. And you came to – you didn't even come to play on fantasy football this year. Our fantasy football league of Munster Friends, I won. So that's just another thing too. And I'm just taking money from Blake. It's just as simple you know, as that. So if he's a big better, he's got to Blake show is up. In it. Blake is like the SEC team of – of the bull mania because he talks all this big game. And then when he loses, he acts like he didn't matter to him. Yeah. To everyone that was in there, just go take a look at this, like the scoreboard of everyone. And he talks a huge game and he was at the very freaking bot, like, like second or third to last in our group. Like I'm pulling. Yeah. He was, yeah, he was second to last behind (laughs) Nikki Potnik and Gary. So (laughs) that's, that's, that's abysmal. He, he lost the tiebreaker with Tyler. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, so he picked, like, you picked, like, UCF. That's embarrassing. You picked Purdue. Yeah. He, embarrassing. I, I think you picked Purdue, I too. I picked Houston. I think you I picked, I picked Auburn. I can't remember. I, I feel, you picked oh, one of those. Picked you picked Auburn. a weird one. I remember you picked one of the weird I ones. I picked Houston is what it was. Well, I know Houston. Houston. Was the big well, to be, here's the thing. Your big L's. If I didn't take so many stupid losses, I would have won. I finished, I tied. We we tied wow. for first, but also I picked stuff like I don't know North Texas for some reason. I picked OU, which I shouldn't have. Um, so like the, it was close, and also I didn't use nefarious strategy like you did by you know pick, making desperate picks like Texas because you knew no one was going to pick them, or Clemson because no one picked them. You play to win the game. I know. <laughs> you just it, it, it took it. This was a version of a hail, hail mary. You took you took every stop you could, and every bounce worked except for Washington. Yeah, I was blessed. I was really blessed. Yeah, I started off by okay. I just got to get one, and then I'll be fine. I tried Washington, and then they lost, and so I said, "I'm my I'm a, my back's against it. I have to pick Texas and Clemson. There's no shot." I was there. halfway considering picking Clemson just to guarantee that you would win. <laughs> well, yeah, but that that was that would have been risky because Alabama was a huge favorite, and everyone thought they were going to whoop our. Yeah, country. that's true, but you know, I, I don't know. It would be like, well, I could. It would it would automatically probably give it to Wilson. Yeah, that would have made you would have had a better chance because 
I would have liked my chances more in your position of trying to see if Alabama won winning the tiebreaker rather than having to bet on Clemson over Alabama. That's yeah, you know? it would have been a risk. There, there's a bet. It's a 50-50 shot betting the tiebreaker correctly. It's not a 50-50 shot betting Alabama I mean, to lose. Yeah, it was, it was it was some bold strategy, but you know what? I I, I can't hate on it. It it was it's completely within the rules. You and you won. Congrats, man. It's pretty good, pretty solid. Yeah. No. That was awesome. I'm glad I redeemed myself from my really poor losing record from the week. However, I gotta say, I think I won the season because I finished second in weekend spread and bowl mania. So they're by the law of averages. By the law of averages, I uh, I did pretty well. Okay, so tell me whenever you get your participation trophy, and I can sign it for (laughs) you. Well, hey, well, considering I gave out the trophy, I wasn't gonna give it to myself. I wasn't gonna not give anyone thirty dollars. So. Yeah, but you, we can get you a nice little plastic trophy that says second place, and you can feel really good. I'll write my own – you know what? I own the blog. I'll write myself and own my own blog and de- deem myself the consent, the, the middle ground champion, you know? Whatever hey, Alabama can – Alabama can – and uh, UCF can claim national championships. I'm gonna, just going to claim myself an overall champ here. Absolutely. I think that's – As voted on by the Schooner blog itself, I win. <laughs> I, I I actually can't. <laughs> so oh, man. Anyways, enough enough about our little games. Uh, enough about eighteen. We're moving on to bigger, better things. OU, since losing the Orange Bowl, has been making some big moves. I'm sure some of y'all have heard about it. Biggest of all, I think. Um, actually, I'm going to ask you because I'm not really, really sure. Bigger move: Alex Grinch or uh, Jaden Hazelwood? I kind of think it's Grinch. I. Uh- yeah, I think it's if if this was any other year, it'd be Hazelwood, no doubt. But with the wide receivers that we had already, it, it's yeah, it's awesome to get the number one receiver. But we have two other five stars, so Grinch is huge for us. My many people said that yeah, it kind of sucks we didn't get our first choice in Pete Golding. But the more we thought, and the more I've thought about it, Grinch's defense and like all the reports that came out about his speed D and everything kind of looks like what we need to do. We need something different, something kind of crazy, because Pete Golding didn't make something work out of Washington State. Alex Grinch did. He made poop look like yeah, gold, yeah. He you know? he completely just changed around a unit that was awful with not a lot of good like recruits and turned it into an incredible, incredible defense at Washington State, or at least at least more than yeah. passable. I wouldn't say it was probably in the top ten tier. It was I think like fifteenth at one point. Yeah, and it's not like he had any really stars that picked it up. He had Hercules Mataafa that I remember who was pretty good, but he was like this undersized kind of defensive end linebacker guy that was just a tackling machine. But all in all, like, yeah, I'm very happy with Alex Grinch. Uh, A lot of people, if you go and read the threads and everything, people are going to get on the Ohio State side are going to really like trash talk his recruiting. But I'm not going to worry about any guy on the OU staff that's recruiting because we have – the cornerstone Lincoln Riley. Yeah. Uh, if he's, if he's, he's not an asshole, you know, he's like a good guy. If you're a good guy under Lincoln Riley, you're going to do just great. Exactly. And not only that, but it's not like they have like some deep, like a lot of time to go off, off of with Grinch. He didn't even really have a full off season at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. No. And it's there people, it's just people go to his two, four, seven account and see that his all time recruits, he doesn't really have anyone. He's never been given the reins to do a defense since Washington state. And he's never really done much at Ohio State. He was just kind of this reserve, honestly. He was just at the end of the bench in Ohio State's um, coaching staff. 
And that's what pissed him off, and that's what led him to leave. Greg Schiano's out as defensive coordinator at Ohio State, and everyone's so like, oh, yeah, they let Grinch go and everything. No, they definitely wanted Grinch, and Grinch said, no, screw y'all. I, I like what I see better at Oklahoma. And as an Oklahoma fan, you've got to really like that because Ohio State's a really, really oh, good of course. program. And a guy who grew up around Ohio saying, yeah, nah, I'd rather go to OU is pretty cool. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And I think one of the bigger parts about uh, Grinch coming to OU and why actually – and this isn't a sour grapes thing, but – like you said, while looking at it a little more, I think Grinch is a better fit because his culture or because of his style of defense, I think fits the spread offense more than Golding. Um, Golding, you know, you, you saw him at UTSA, which I mean, whatever. And then Alabama, his style is more of a, a grinded out. He's, he's better. He seems like you'd be better in the SEC or Big Ten. While I feel like Grinch has experience with spread offenses and the speed D like really kind of fits with the type of offense that we're going to, he's going to be seeing in the big 12, a lot of passing, obviously uh, a lot of airing it out. I think his style is pretty much perfect. And if he can, if he can translate it to you and build off of what we've seen and uh, implement it the way we think he will, this is going to be a team that's going to be very scary in the big 12. Yeah. So for people who don't understand what the speed D and everything is, Alex Grinch's main thing is he wants really fast, athletic players that can go, and his main thing is he wants to get turnovers. And that's something OU has never seen. We've said it the whole year. Let's get turnovers. Let's let's be the more crucial stop thing. And we never do. Yeah. Kerry Cooks doesn't teach his cornerbacks or safeties to turn to the ball. Alex Grinch is a safety specialist. He's going to work – he's like – as Mike Stoops did with the outside linebackers, is Alex Grinch going to do with the safeties this year? And we're still – if Kerry Cooks is to leave, which is my impression, we're going to probably hire another cornerbacks coach. But it's going to be a different culture in this defense. We're not going to see the same crap where Kenneth Murray goes up the wrong hole. We're going to see guys turn to the ball, trying to get interceptions. We're going to see change in – the defense is going to be moving pre-snap, trying to get them confused, taking risk. And as an OU defense, take the risk. If they score really quickly, we put our offense back on the field, and it's just fine. But whenever those hit, whenever we get those three and outs because of those risks, once we get those turnovers that are big plays, that's what we need. Yeah, and I, I think I've seen them say that the biggest thing a defense is supposed to do is get off the field so the offense can get back. And that is just – that's the exact strategy. Just get off the field no matter how you can. And I'm all about that. I'm all about the Grinch. All in on uh, all in on Alex Grinch. Now, with a new defense coordinator comes new defensive staff, and it seems like they're going to clear house uh, at OU other than uh, Thibodeau. And, um, and uh, probably, I think I've heard uh, uh, Ruffin is probably going to stick around. Tell us a little more about what, you, what yes. you've heard about uh, defensive staff, potential new guys who's staying, stuff like that. Yeah, so what I've read is we're clearing house except for Tibbs. Tibbs will stay on the D-line. I would not be surprised if we get another D-line coach to work with them. Someone gets the inside, someone gets the outside kind of thing. Um, uh, Diaco, gone, pretty much. Kish is retired, so Kish is gone. Kerry Cooks, I don't see him staying because Alex Grinch is a secondary guy. Uh, that's be stepping on too many toes, so I'd figure – someone would have to come in for the cornerbacks. And so that leaves the linebacker spot open, the cornerback spot open, and then kind of just some weird 
little niche spots. The two big ones being linebacker and cornerback. The biggest thing I heard from cornerback just to stop, Chip Viney, our recruiting guy, he's actually a candidate, and it's the one I'm hearing the most. Uh, he's been saying he wants to move back on the field, and uh, he's been great for our recruiting and everything. He played cornerback whenever he played football. Uh, he's got experience with it, so he could be pretty good. He, It'd be a perfect spot for him because he's not the powerhouse candidate with all the accolades, but we have Grinch in the secondary, you know. So it's like we have our big dog there and then kind of just a utility players coach in Viney. Yeah, and I, I really do like Viney. He was huge um, in kind of the Cali trio days, you know, with Tony Jefferson and some of those guys, that Aaron Colvin. I mean, he, he was big in kind of that early two, or 2010s boom uh, when he got on. And he's lo- beloved by a lot of uh, uh, like football alumni. You hear a lot about him. Uh, especially when we hired him back on in the staff um, a couple months ago for, I think he was just uh, like just an assistant for recruiting or something. It was, it was, it was, we got him at the barbecue. That was when they announced it. So we had, they sent our eyes for him and it was supposed to be some big bombshell because he's like this awesome guy for our recruiting and he's done really well when getting a lot of those guys in California. And so, and then to move on from that, uh, I haven't, seen too much with the quarterback the big thing is about the linebacker because that's for sure because Kerry Cooks has not been fired yet there's been no reports that we think he's leaving the report is that we're going to clear staff but we still got time Kish is gone so the linebacker yeah. is open that's got a lot of traction first big name that came out was Brian Odom if anyone recognizes that name you should because he's a former OU player he's a former Ada Cougar um he's big into Oklahoma and he's up at Missouri on staff with his older brother, um, Barry. I think Barry's older, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, so he's up in Missouri. Um, but the problem with that is there's a couple, three things. It, it looks great. He's got the OU uh, background. He's got a great track record. And he's got a relationship with Grinch. They were together. Um, I, think, I think they were together at Washington State. But uh, so he just ha- gave um, his wife just gave birth to a newborn baby like two weeks ago. So that's going to be hard to pick up and move. He's working under his brother. It's hard to just leave your brother, you know. I mean, that's I mean, you could, you didn't see it with Mike. Bob was never going to do anything with Mike. And there's word that that's the guy Grinch wants. But Lincoln's kind of set on this guy named Tim Skipper. Tim Skipper is the defense coordinator at UNLV. He's a former linebackers coach at Florida, and he wants him because this dude, while at Florida, was like the beast recruiter of linebackers. Hmm. So, I mean, Skipper looks good. And then everyone's been seeing this Roy Manning video that's been going around on Twitter of him just being really, uh, what's the word? Very outgoing, and he's a very big voice and everything. And he'd be cool, but I, I don't see as much. I think it's more of an Odom versus Skipper, and it's looking like a Grinch versus uh, Lincoln thing. Another note on Odom, I forgot to say, he also worked as a, he also used to be the strength and conditioning program coach up at uh, I think it was Arizona. Yeah, I think it was. But so he's got he's got a history of strength and conditioning, which is a lot of things that OU uh, fans don't really like right now about us. So they kind of want this kind of big raw raw guy in Of course, which is important and I I know after losing Schmidt like it's hard to replace a guy like that. He is 
without a doubt, probably one of the best strength and conditioning coaches in college, in college football, if not the best. So there, there was always going to be a bit of a drop off. Um, geez, why am I blanking on who our who our guy is right now? Yeah, Benny Wiley. Like, I don't think he's bad. From what I've seen, a lot of the guys kind of like him. He's all right, I guess. But I think I think it's a natural. Um, it's natural to see a drop off when you're going from a guy who was as big as um, a guy who was big as Schmitty to you know just anyone else. Yeah, and with the thing is, the getting he's getting the most bad rap for it because of our tackling. Uh, it just doesn't look like we're strong enough to tackle these big boys on Alabama, and I I don't know. We don't know enough there. So I don't know if it's truly the strength and conditioning program not making him strong enough, or if it's technique, or if it's just bad. We're luck. just not like recruiting uh, the right guys. I don't really know. Yes, yes, yeah. So we'll have to see about that. But all in all, that's really all on the coaching search. Uh, there, we're gonna in the next week or so, we're gonna get more and more and more news, and I would not be surprised if we get even higher in the next week. Yeah, I get that. Um... I, it's going to be interesting. I think it's all going to kind of wrap up really quick uh, with the last push, um, especially with uh, a real national signing day coming around the corner, which I feel like there's a lot of a lot of wind that was let out of it by the early signing period. And you always get a couple commits, uh, you know, during these All-American Bowls. But um, we all obviously have had, like, the real last big piece was Hazelwood. Huge pick, pick up for us. Mm-hmm. But take us a little look. Take, let's take a little look into the crew and corner. See if um, is there anyone I guess on the horizon uh, that you could see pop uh, popping up for OU. So I think we're gonna have three more commits, hopefully four, but I'm thinking three, and that's gonna really it's gonna take our class over twenty five, which is that's that twenty five was the number. But so first of all, I I'm definitely saying his name wrong. I heard it today actually, David Ugu. I think it's like David Ugu. Oh, I don't like that. It's like Ugu 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 from here on out. Yeah, so we'll go on for that. Uh, so he played in the All American. I mean, he was supposed to play in the All American Bowl on Saturday, the one that Hazelwood and Spencer Rattler and all those ones were in, but he didn't play. And there's all this question around all these boards, like why didn't he play? There isn't any news about it, but supposedly, like, I think he might be, he got into some kind of trouble, and he got with a bad crew. Supposedly, he's a really good kid, but he just got into trouble, and he didn't play the game. I don't know if that's really going to impact anything, but he, like I've said, he's a six foot five, speedy jack edge rusher, and that is what Grinch likes. He wants speed, athleticism, big. This guy's a take. We want him. He wants us. It's going to happen. That'll come on in February at uh, the late signing day. Um, other two commits that I think will happen for sure, Danielson Ike. Danielson Ike is a tackle out of uh, Missouri, and he's visiting this weekend. I bet you that there's a very good chance we could see some eyes this weekend from him. So stay tuned for that. The last one the commit that I think that's going to happen is Brandon Pierce. He is the wide receiver out of the College of the Canyons, Juco. Same one Marquise Hollywood Brown came from. Really fast guy, 4-3-ish speed. He's going to be something just kind of, hey, let's see if we could kind of use him in utility. Why not try For sure. kind of thing. And then the last guy that I want to keep an eye on that I really hope we do get is uh, his name's – I'm saying it wrong. It's Enoch Vimihi. He's uh, this guard from Hawaii. 
and he's taking his official visit with Daniel Sanike this weekend. Uh, he's kind of a USC lean right now, but USC is a dumpster fire with Cliff Kingsbury just being um, hired by uh, Which is Arizona also a dumpster fire, I might add. Yes, so, I mean, USC is a great place for all those California and Hawaii boys to go to um, as a college, but they're so unstable unstable right now that it's you kind of have to think twice about it. And OU really needs guards. And he is a middle, like he's a .94 on 247. He's a good four-star product, like a higher-end four-star product. We, we'd be really well-suited. He's higher-graded than EJ and Domo Gar is someone that we really want. He's a guard in our current class. We are losing Cody Ford, who's who is a tackle but could play guard, and Ben Powers, who played guard, and Drew Samia, guard. We're, our guards are extremely slim, so recruiting guards is key. So this is a really, really big recruit. That's the guy that we get excited about. We say that we want to end the class with another guy in the secondary but I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't at all. Uh, we probably might look into grad uh, our transfers for that, and hopefully we get lucky. But one last thing I wanted to say, for people who even pay attention to 2020, Zach Evans, he's the number two overall player in the nation. He's a running back from Texas. I thought it was really funny. I like to like take, like, take a quick look every once in a while at the crystal balls. Some OSU dude, Zach Lannister, just put him in to go to <laughs> OSU. And okay. I just laughed so hard at it. I think he's the same guy. He's picking all these other 2020 high-end guys to go to OSU as well. Like Andrew Rame is a broken arrow, uh, the best player in uh, Oklahoma. He's pretty much going to Oklahoma or Notre Dame. He picked him to go to OSU as well. And it's just so funny that he thinks that the number two overall player in the nation, the best running back, once-in-a-lifetime kind of guy, is going to go to Oklahoma State. There's no ties. There's no nothing. He, was, he, he just, just wanted to throw it on for fun. That dude does not care about his. He does not care about his ratings. He does not oh, care. God, you just you, you gotta love it. You gotta love the one OSU guy who's like, yeah, let's make things interesting. Let's let's throw him on. But yeah, so that's kind of that's kind of where we're at with the with recruiting. I feel like, um, but of course, the biggest thing um, that I think a lot of people are starting to see. And it's, um, I mean, we, we've been, we've been talking about this for a while, for a while about Kyler Murray possibly coming back. And for the longest time, you have been a staunch, he's not coming back. It's not happening. It's just a bunch of conjecture. But however, uh, you texted me today and it seems, uh, seems like things are a little interesting. Tell me a little bit about, um, I, I guess what swayed you. Cause you are, you are the last person I would ever think, say the things you've said. Yeah, I just the this week, just from all the things I've been reading, and as time progresses, I'm starting to lean more to Kyler coming back. I'm not saying I think he's coming back. I'm not going to bet it. I'm not going to say it for sure. I'm just saying that there's a legitimate chance now, and I would put it at 50-50, and I'll tell you why. So originally I said, why would he go? The money doesn't make any sense, right? It, he goes if he, if he wants to play baseball and go to the MLB, He's got his money there, and if he doesn't want to play baseball, he goes pro, and he gets his money in NFL. Coming back to college, he doesn't get money. He has to pay back his MLB contract. It does not make any sense. I heard that he doesn't have to pay back all of it. He needs, there's some report that said like he only has to pay like 3 4%, 75% of it back. That is just fine for the Tiger shirt. Yes, I think he, he has, has plenty of Tiger shirt money. <laughs> yes, for all of y'all, look – 
type in Kyler Murray Tiger shirt in on Google and then like he bought it for like six. I will buy Kyler Murray at least four Tiger shirts if he comes back. And because I'm still a student at the moment, yes. I'm not a booster. So yeah, I can do that. Yes. So essentially he doesn't have to pay back one hundred percent of it. So that makes it plausible financially. Hell, he could almost profit off of just having baseball talent at this point. So the Gil Brandt yes. tweet, that's what everyone went, went, went off on. Everyone thought, oh, this there's some smoke here. Yeah, of course there's some smoke here. Lincoln wants to get his guy back, but it didn't make any sense. And there's only one guy reporting it. I wasn't really taking into account. Chris Mortensen came in a couple days later, said something about it, kind of echoed it. Really nothing there. That's kind of his thing. But Gil Brandt, we got to take in the look. And we all knew this before, that he is really tight with Lincoln. He was like one of the main guys, as RJ Young said, like whenever it was the Lincoln Riley to Oklahoma's offensive coordinator, he was the insider on that. Like he knows his stuff. He he is a really, really big name when it comes down to football. And you wouldn't think that it would mean anything because if you watch the press conferences the whole year, uh, all the coaches kind of like backhandedly would say like, yeah, he's like, he's going to be a really good NFL player. You know, that like, you know, whenever case, um, when Kale Gundy went up there, you know, and had that one press conference when Lincoln was sick, they're asking him about Kyler Murray, the NFL. It, he really kind of led up saying like, yeah, Kyler would be really yeah. good in the NFL. It's just, Oh, go ahead. And yeah. Go oh ahead. yeah. No, I think it. it's, it's one of those things that logically makes no sense to me because Either I think you'd be fine in the NFL now, and I think you'd be fine in the MLB. But if, I mean, let's just be real. Sometimes things are, like Blake says it all the time, sometimes things are bigger than sports. And I think, in a way, Kyler might just be a guy who really, really wants a national championship and wants to stay again and try to win it or something. I, I don't know. Some people are weird. Football guys are hard to figure out if you take them out of the scope of, you know, do you like football? Yes or no. Do you want to win for no, for, you know, for your team? Yes or no. Like it's, it's just, it's a weird situation and it's one that seems to be getting weirder and weirder by the moment. Yeah. So my reason for starting to shift is not because of this BS, like, Oh, he wants to come back because he wants to win. No, the, the dollar is going to overtake that every single time. There's got to be some kind of financial reason here. And the number one thing that pushed me over was the 70 paying 75% back. Then another thing I started to hear was the Oakland A's, there's a rumor that they'd be willing to push back his agreement to play spring ball to 2020. If that is coming out of the Oakland A's camp, that means that there is legitimate talks that he would return to the Sooners. That's not him going to the NFL. That's him coming back for one year. NFL, you go to the NFL, MLB's done. You, he, he can't play both. It's kind of like they're trying to give him just like, oh, you and, really love that football? Let's give you just a little more taste. We'll back it up. You know, we'll be fine. You know, just trying to be like, you, you can get all your, just another season to just get all of your football urges out. Like, why not? It's kind of how I'm reading that. Yeah. So he's, he's already had his time to go and have fun. It's not like a, he's coming back to have more fun. He had his year, you know. This is the time he's got to make something financially correct. And he can pay back, make a profit from the rate from the Raiders from from the A's. He can still have it in his back pocket if he needs to. And I I really truly think he would have gone to the NFL and already declared if he had a higher draft card. But I really do think that NFL draft draft prospects are saying that 
I doubt that he's going to go to the first round because of this question mark of the baseball stuff and the question mark of his size and the question mark of I haven't really taken too close of a look at him this year and taken too seriously because of his baseball. I want to see him bought into football. And, and that's if he came back, that would be it. He has said to people, and it is definitely a very well-known fact, that he wants to play football over baseball. And that's you have that in your back pocket. It always been a thing for me, NFL versus coming back, then baseball. But whenever I saw the Justin Fields thing, we didn't get Justin Fields. He went to Ohio State. And we didn't even offer him or consider him. I go, hmm, that's weird. And they said, oh, we liked other transfer quarterbacks better. That's BS. Because the only reason they don't like of him course. is because of his age. You, and Justin Fields wanted to figure out where he was going quick. Kyler Murray's decision is not coming quick. You cannot offer Justin Fields if there's a shot. Kyler yeah, no, of out. course. And I think also you from can. the Justin Fields perspective, there was there was talk early on of he was like yeah I want to make sure Kyler Murray isn't going to come and come back and we're like well that's just a given I think we even said it on an earlier podcast uh, on the emergency pod we're like well it's yeah. just a given that he's get that Kyler is not going to come back and the fact that he didn't even and, he didn't even you know, look at OU really I mean he didn't come to OU and you could tell that some something might be up here if you read the tea leaves. Yeah, Justin Fields would be at OU if there wasn't a shot Kyler Murray's coming back because he wants to play with Jaden Hazelwood. They're buddies. That's the reason they were going to be at George together, and then they both left. I, it, I, Ohio State was obviously number two. That's just These are all just little things that are just together is really pushing me. They're pushing me into the, I think Kyler has a chance to come back. I do not, like I will reiterate it because I've already said it twice now. I do not think it's because he wants to come back and win a national championship. That's obviously a backhanded secondary reason, but that is not the reason he's coming back. I think it's he legitimately needs to get a higher draft um, card, even though in a better in a better class next year, this dude's got skill. The NFL is moving towards smaller quarterbacks. He can do it, and it honestly is the perfect offense to do it with um, Lincoln Riley. So, so yeah, setting setting yourself up as like. We're I'm a, I'm a football player. I'm playing football. Get a full reset where the basically where the um, scouts and everyone knows he's serious about football. If you draft him, he's not going to pivot to baseball randomly. It's a, it would be a firm commitment to to the sport. Yes, yes. And if in this draft, I still think teams are going to be hesitant drafting just because the baseball thing in the back in his back pocket. If he throws out that baseball thing, absolutely, and says football is my thing next season. There's not going to be hesitant teams. The only teams that are going to be hesitant because of his size. And we've seen this year that do not be hesitant because of size. Small quarterbacks have done awesome. It, it's all about skill. So I'm just going to go over this, just summarizing everything again. I'm not saying that I think he's going to come back. I'm not going to make a decision right now. I really do think he's 50-50. That is why he has not declared yet. The deadline to declare is the 15th of January. So one week from today, we're recording on Tuesday. So if he does not declare for the draft by then, I, I with I can say nine. I'll give myself a ninety percent chance he's coming back because I don't think he's going straight to baseball. It it so, seems like something like there's something left. It just yes. something's weird here. He wants to play football. That's number one. Number two, he he can pay back seventy five percent of it. So he's not he he won't go broke 
paying back the Oakland A's. Number three, the Oakland A's rumors about spring ball being pushed back to 2020. Number four, Justin Fields were not even offering him. Number five, everyone declared three weeks ago, four weeks ago, why isn't he? He just won the Heisman. He's one of the biggest names in college football. Number six, Gil Brandt's tweet. This guy's a legitimate insider. There's something there. He's smelling something. Especially after what we saw with the Kingsbury news, which honestly shocked me a bit. Mainly on the NFL side, less than the Kingsbury side. And then, I mean, and then I guess number seven is that um, Lincoln is pushing at him. Lincoln's one of the best recruiters, and Lincoln can do the impossible. He just pushed Jaden Hazelwood. Who thought that was going to happen? That was a dream. Oh, yeah. You you mentioned it multiple times. You're like, that's probably not going to happen. It's just a pipe dream. You know, like mid-season, mid-season recruiting corners, you were – you you kind of even stopped bringing him up as an option. Well, yeah, it's it's until the whole Georgia fiasco thing happened, and then whenever even even when he de- decommitted, that he, it looked like he really wanted to go to Miami. But we couldn't predict this whole Mark Richt Miami fiasco, and uh, the whole Georgia fiasco was really hard to predict as well. We kind of just got lucky, and he fell into us. He was we are his number three choice. If everything went perfectly, he'd be at Georgia. And if everything went perfectly in Miami, he'd be at Miami. Exactly. If Miami didn't completely collapse like it did, he would, he would be a hurricane. And it's just sometimes sometimes it bounces the right way. And I'm just I'm really excited to see what this offense does next year with that just insanely staffed wide receiver group. And then, I mean, that, that room is going to be crazy because you're, you're also forgetting we have C.D. Lamb in. We still have Charleston Rambo who showed up big in the Orange Bowl, I feel like. This is a – this is – I, I don't think I've ever seen a wide receiver group like that, ever. Definitely not at OU. Yeah, well, you got to say, you're like, I mean, I'm more convinced than ever that Kyler can come back. Do you agree? I am. I I, I was never, I, I think that it's actually a possibility. Because I thought, like, I thought that it would just be like, maybe he comes back if he just loses his mind briefly. And I don't, I don't know. It, it just seemed like a weird pipe dream. But when you look at everything that's in place, and the type of competitor that Kyler is. And I, I know that that's some BS and stuff, but the guy wants to play football. Combine that with the fact that he can jump his draft stock up with a full year of a, a full year of playing football as a football player, no more like the dual sport. I'm also play baseball thing. It it's it, it lines up. It all of the stars are aligning where if Kyler comes back, I think that I think that it's, it could be very good for him, especially if he wants to play football, and it could be very good for the University of Oklahoma because that offense, if you thought it was good this year, you have not seen a single thing yet. Yes, so I agree. So I guess in, in transition after the recruiting corner, we can do a little, just a little quick what it's going to look like next year, just kind of the, be, the people that are leaving and the people that could fill in those voids. Yeah, for sure. Um, I feel like the biggest... The biggest question mark for some people is probably the offensive line. Losing guy, losing a guy like uh, Bobby Ev- or not Bobby Evans, um, probably probably Bobby Evans, and um, you know Ben Powers is graduating, right? Pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah Powers, so, Powers okay. graduating, and yeah, just take take it over. Yeah, Cody Ford declared. Yes, Ben Powers is going because he's graduating, and Jeremiah is graduating. They're both seniors. Bobby Evans still hasn't said it, but I'm the things I've read seems he's leaning more towards saying. So let's just assume Bobby Evans stays. That that would be awesome. We'd have our senior tackle leadership, and we still have Creed Humphrey as the center. 
but there are guard, we have two missing guards, which is just horrible. And Cody Ford leaving, who used to be a guard. So there's three guards pretty much that we're missing. On our roster right now, that would step in. We only have two current other guys listed as guards. <laughs> like So it's really no other option has to be these two guys unless we move a tackle over, which isn't yeah. going to happen. Marquise no. Hayes, six foot five, 345-pound sophomore. And then Tyrese Robinson, six foot two, 329-pound freshman, redshirt freshman. And these guys are both four stars. Tyrese Robinson was a pretty damn good prospect. Marquise Hayes was an average one, but still has done really good. You heard it in Lincoln's press conferences this year. He said he really liked his backups. He'd always talk really big about Swinson and Ely, Hayes, Robinson. There, We've got some guys behind. So my guess for the offensive line would be Hayes and Tyrese Robinson, the only guards possible filling in for Simeon Powers. I still think we have Bobby over on the left at tackle. And the right tackle is going to be a huge competition. And that's something we won't know to the very end. That The homer in me really hopes it's Bray Walker, the five-star number one overall player in Oklahoma in last year's recruiting class, six foot seven beast. But I wouldn't be surprised if we saw an Adrian Ely or an Eric Swinson over there. So that's going to be a big-time competition. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to follow. The only thing I know is that that offensive line is stacked. Um and, and not only that, but you got Biedenboe as head as main coach there. Who I I I agree. I heard Dusty Dvorak saying this the other day. The man needs a raise. Pay that man as as much money as is is possible for a uh, an O line coach because that guy probably the best in the country has really he's going to get this unit in shape. I'm pretty pumped about that. Um, yeah, and he's done so good with making not highly regarded linemen into gold, like Ben Powers. That's a Juco kid. He really wasn't much, much. And now that dude's getting some nods for first team all AP, some second team all AP. Like, he's going to get drafted in the third, second, third, fourth round. Cody Ford's about to be a first rounder. That dude was another guy that wasn't highly regarded. Turned into a great tackle prospect, something we never foresaw coming. Yeah, not only. Not he's only probably going to play guard at the next level, though. Yeah, not only not highly regarded, but he kind of. He had some struggles. I mean, he uh, his his injury against Ohio State. He kind of had to work back from that. The guys come a long way. It, it, the development of our alignment at, with Beatonbow is a reason why I wouldn't. I shouldn't. You should, no one should be afraid of the O line. I think. I think that the, they'll probably be in the conversation for the Joe Moore yet again. Honestly, no, that's a bold take, but still. Oh yeah, I I, I mean I don't think it'll be as dominant. But I don't think it's going to be as much of a drop-off that year, um, 2009. From 2008 to 2009 was a huge drop-off. I think we lost we lost Lodeholt at one tackle, and then uh, what's the other guy's name? The other really good stud at tackle. Oh, Lodeholt and uh, Trent Williams? No? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Was it, was it Trent Williams played in 2008, or was it Daryl Williams? I don't remember. Well, wait, wait. Okay, wait. Lodeholt left in 07, I think, because I – well, no. Okay. No, no, that's not right. I don't know, but all I know is I, I know Lord Holton. Did Lord Holton okay, Trent Williams left in 2010. Yeah, because he, he got dra- so I'm yeah. thinking I'm thinking of someone else then. But essentially, y'all remember it. 2008, our offensive line was awesome, really good. 2009, we were so bad that they just let Sam Bradford get clobbered the whole year, and he got hurt, and we wasted our season. Yeah. No, an offensive line is the most important position in all of football, and we've done really well with it. Agreed. We just got to hope the best. Yeah, you just got to hope that everything turns out well and these guys who have potential live up to it, which I think they will. Uh, 
I guess Sarah Williams was in 2015. What was I saying? Yeah, it's it's tough. Line, linemen are always hard to kind of remember sometimes. I think that's especially the years and stuff. They get mixed up. We with as long as we've been covering it, I guess. But mm-hmm. yeah, but I mean, you look at the O line. I think that should be fine. We're not really losing a ton on defense, despite you know some people being like, "Well, you know, the defense wasn't very good." The most notable player I can think of that we're losing is Buzzy Bolton, who was kind of a surprise in the first place. Yes, yeah, Bolton's it's gonna it's gonna be tough, but the hope the hope for me is we get um, so a lot of change in the inside linebacker because we need a lot. Yeah. Um, some people said it was our brightest spot, but I don't think so. Let's just hope that all of this good hype that we heard about Devin White, he could move over, and I hope that they just start from scratch and Grinch sees Kenneth Murray is not good, even though Kenneth Murray is the type of guy he likes. He likes these big guys who just run all over the place. Devin White is going to be really good, and if he can get that middle spot and kind of dictate the offense, I think that would suit the position a lot better. Now the question is, is Caleb Kelly going to try the move again? Agreed. It did not do him well this year. That's the biggest issue. And it, yeah, no, it did It did not do him well. And they kind of figure out ways to get him on the field towards the end of the year. And I don't know. It, it's going to be an interesting – it's going to be interesting to me to see how Kelly develops into a possible NFL prospect or, you know, getting to that level that we thought we were going to get when he signed on in 2015. But it's going to be interesting. I would not be surprised if Caleb was a little apprehensive – to move over again because how poorly it went. He's not going to have as much competition, I don't think. But I could see him staying in that kind of outside linebacker um, Sam spot that he was, and we see Devin White move over to uh, uh, the uh, the Will position. That uh, Deshaun. I've been saying Devin White, Deshaun White. My bad. Oh, you're Deshaun fine. White. Uh, Deshaun White at the position that Buzzy was at. We are uh, last. And other options. Yeah. If <laughs> if. That doesn't work out. Honestly, I would love to see Deshaun move over to that Mike position and then maybe give Levi Draper a shot. Levi Draper was a huge recruit for us, and he's got skill, and he's been stuck behind Meade. New defensive coordinator, new options. We can see new faces. That would be someone really cool to see. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I've always wanted to see more Draper, and I've kind of wondered I wondered where he went, and it was, it was always a weird situation with him because he had his injury last year. And then, I mean, he had all this hype coming in, had his injury last year, out for the season, then comes back this year, and you kind of were like, oh, yeah, I remember him, but he never really got any playtime this year, I feel like. Yeah, he was stuck behind Meade, the walk-on. And even in the times where, like, obviously we should give him a shot, he didn't even step on the field. In the spring game, he was our leading tackler. And I thought this guy was going to be our next tackling. Like, I thought he was going to be like a Travis Lewis, to be honest with you. Yeah. And and he didn't get a shot, but it's a complete new staff. They're going to come in with no predisposition of last season. They should not watch film on our defense of last year. They should just come in, look at the guys, play them out there, and then figure it out from there. And I, if I truly think that happens, if that goes to plan and, say, Lincoln gives Grinch the reins as Stoops gave him the reins when he was offense coordinator, I could honestly see Kenneth Murray getting demoted. I don't think it's going to happen, but whenever you see that man, and the, I, I guess, and honestly, it would be good for him to watch Kenneth Murray's tape because you'd see how many gaps he missed. 
but yeah, no, I mean, we've seen um, with linebackers before. I mean, this year they, they benched Caleb Kelly because he wasn't getting the job done. And I think, I think that willingness might need to be extended to uh, Kenneth Murray as well. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. It's, it's going to be really cool. But other than that, we've got a lot of returners. Our D line is going to be pretty much all returning. I think Q's gone, but we never even used him. It's going to be really, really cool to see all of our young freshmen from last class finally come into fruition. Let's see if Tatum can get down the field more. Hopefully Jalen Redmond resolves his blood clot, clotting issues. He can play a full healthy season. And then our leading sack guy, Ronnie Perkins. Ronnie Perkins is going to be awesome. So Ronnie Perkins, Redmond, and Tatum, they're all freshmen. They're all ready to go. I guess i guess Perkins will be a sophomore, but Tatum and Redmond will still be freshmen. Yeah, that's going to be – I think that, that D-line might be our biggest unit, um, especially if Thibodeau lives up to the hype um, of him as a, as a teacher and a coach. Um, it, it's a big year for Thibodeau because I, I think if you can't get this D line in check, might be time to get one of Grinch's guys in there. Absolutely, this is this is a prove it year for exactly, him, and he knows that. And like, I mean, we've got everyone returning, so you got to be happy. Neville Gallimore will be a senior year. Famati will be a senior year. Tyrese Lott will be older. It's it's we're gonna have a deep line, and if we use our depth, which we've always been big on, that we never do, use our depth. It's it's gonna be we're gonna have a little bit better if if it's used correctly. Definitely the secondary is something to worry about, Bobby. But everyone's returning. What what do you think there? Um, secondary is I think that's easily going to be the most interesting point. Um, and I think the most interesting thing is seeing where Grinch puts Buki. Um, without a doubt, it was always an issue that we talked about a lot this year about was Buki being properly used? Was he in the right spot? Um, he came in as a corner, and they stuck him at safety for the most most of the season. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, Grinch's take on what to do with Buki, because um, I think I think the guy still has a lot of potential. I think a lot of people are giving up on him a lot too, way too early. Um, he was just a freshman, probably. I I think we needed to stick him out there because you know talent is a little scarce on our defense. But in general, I think another year for him to develop and get better and a defensive coordinator who has a different take on how to use him is going to be very important for uh, for our defense this year. I still think he could be a very, very key cog in this defense. I say I, I – Grinch really likes nickels, and that's what we've always been calling for him at is a nickel. He should, absolutely should not play safety. But honestly, could you see him as a true corner? I definitely could. I could definitely see him as a true corner. I think he'd do really well over there. So that's really what I hope. And I also would really like to see kind of – we got to see a whole lot of our freshmen. We we saw Turner yell. We saw Fields. Um, we saw, I, we, I, ho- I was hoping we'd see Edwards, but we didn't. But we pretty much saw our whole freshman recruiting class of defensive backs. I would love to see that again with the following year. I love what Jamal Morris has to bring, Woody Washington. Jaden Davis and Cradell play great in their All-American games. Yep, uh, We got some really good guys coming in, and like we said earlier, this if this is clean slate, if no one's got any kind of like title to them just because last year. Yeah, and you know, I... We could, we could see the best man win. I agree, and that's the way it should be. You just That's how it should be for every position, and I think having a new, a new fresh uh, defense just completely stripping out what we had before, no interim tags, no... I don't know, because um, even though we got rid of Mike Stoops, it was still the same defensive staff, which honestly is just as liable as, as Mike. So it's going to be nice to see what, what this defense looks out, 
looks like completely refurbished. Um, I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, and I mean, that's the defense. That's what everyone's worried about. We did the offense line. Tight end's going to be the same. Calc's still going to be here. You might see a little Stogger stronger, maybe some double tight end sets like you saw with Calcaterra and Mark Andrews, maybe. Stogner might be the role that Calcaterra played as a freshman. That's what I kind of yeah. gave the notice of whenever they're – and then Brandon Willis has played great. I want to be surprised to see him. Jeremiah Hall's going to move over, take Carson Myers' role. Uh, I don't foresee him, Jeremiah, doing as much of the blocking as Carson did, but you'll see a lot of the receiving sets. And then wide receiver, everyone's coming back except for Hollywood. So do with that as you will. I guess, okay, I, I forgot. We, we got a transfer – and A.D. Miller. But other than that, everyone's returning. Yeah, we didn't even so really see every, All three of our... We didn't even really see A.D. Yeah. Miller that much. His highlight was running into the ref that one time. Yes. So, like, I mean, come on. I'm not... I love A.D. Miller. Great guy, but I don't think he... He... he the transfer was good for him because he was just going to get buried behind some... Some bigger talent. Yes. So, I mean, C.D. Lamb's going to be on one side, my guess. I'm not buying in on the Charleston Rambo talk. I think he had one good game. I want to see it multiple games. There's rumors that he was doing really bad with dropping passes. I think it was a desperation move on our end. Um, I could see, so I'd say CD on one side, and then alternation of Jaden and Theo on the other side, and then Trajan, Trajan Bridges on the slot. I really think Bridges is going to kill it this year. So I'm really excited to watch Yeah, that. a lot of people are kind of sleeping on Bridges in terms of they. I think a lot of people kind of look at it as sometimes as tears between, um, I don't know, either either Theo, it's it's Theo Weiss or, uh, or or Hazelwood. Well, you got to throw Bridges in there too. Yeah, absolutely. I it's I I love that he he's getting uh, that one rivals guy that was saying like, oh, Hazelwood or Weiss and Bridges all getting mad and everyone's getting mad, dude. This guy is right on par with him, like. Do not give him any kind of down on it, and he plays a different position on the wide receiver than them. He's going to have as much time as he wants, and many he's going to just wreak havoc on linebackers the whole time because you cannot leave C.D. Lamb in single coverage nor Jaden slash Theo Weiss. You can't leave anyone in single and coverage, it, and it's going to be dead, just absolutely deadly. And we also have Jay Quellen Crawford coming in, speedster that was that we were just redshirted. And supposedly he's done awesome. And Jalen Robinson as well, who played a little at the beginning of the season. They'll take over those stupid Miles Tease roles. Hopefully they'll be a lot better there. They never deserve and to be on the field, really. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Tease was great. Um, Morris was great. But it, 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 they're not they're not five-star players at all. They're walk-ons. Yes. We're going to have so many guys we don't know what to do with. And I'm really excited to see how it works out. And even if – and looking at, I guess, the quarterback position, everyone talks about it a ton. Even if Kyler doesn't come back, I think it's still – they're going to be fine. Just get the ball to the – just get the ball to the guys and they can make whatever they want out of it. Um, yeah. And then running back, we don't we didn't lose anyone other than Rodney Anderson, really. So It's going to be the same story running back. Uh, just I bet you see more T.J. Pledger. Yep, I agree. I bet Pledger, Pledger takes back that kind of lead role um, that we – so I'm kind of slip out of with injury and yeah, um, kickers. Yeah. We don't really know anything about kickers. <laughs> yeah, it, hopefully, hope for the best. But uh, I guess I got one question for you. Um, so if Kyler does come back, mm-hmm. and Kendall goes in the transfer protocol immediately. Of correct? course, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, that that would suck for him. He's got to, and he already graduated, so he have immediate eligibility. 
I think he's just waiting for this next week to see what happens. Of course. If if he if he stays, I could I mean I mean if uh Kyler leaves, I would still not be surprised to see Austin Kendall transfer. I really do. No, I fully agree. I think I think that's just something to look at. Um just keep an eye on Austin Kendall. Probably Mordecai too. I don't I don't know. I would look at I would I'd keep an eye on Mordecai hitting the uh portal, but I don't know about fully transferring. There's too much there's too much good hype around Mordecai and they're talking too much good about him. And yes, I understand that we're getting a lot of hype and that's made people think that he's some kind of crazy good guy. This guy was not that high highly regarded as a recruit. He really wasn't. He wasn't like you would think oh you recruits the says he was our last second option. He was the 250th ranked player in the nation. Like just barely, barely a four star. I mean, it's he's not some kind of Justin Fields. No, so don't take it like that. I, Tanner Mordecai, I I do not see him at all entering the transfer window. Yeah, well, I I know I I just it depends on how much how competitive how competitive he is and how much he thinks he can actually probably beat out Spencer Rattler down the line. That's because well, I could see he wouldn't be transferring to someone like you know. I mean, maybe fringe group, group uh, power five, you know, like a cow or something. And he needs to wait to get more validity to where he can transfer because right now they people don't know enough about him. And if they go and look at his recruiting thing, he's not too crazy of a recruit to where he'd get somewhere where he'd want to go. He needs to wait another year, get more hype. He will get more hype because supposedly he's kind of this dark horse kind That's of guy. Fair. And if it comes to it where he can't beat out Spencer – um, then that that will be the case. Yeah. Well, I think we uh, summed up next year pretty good. There's a lot to be positive about with OU football. I I think we're all kind of recovering, and now that the season's officially over, I think we can kind of move on a bit, which is nice and refreshing, honestly. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I but you know I'm still waiting until that February recruiting. I mean, af- after that, I won't know what to do with myself. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be uh, the long night. Because at that point, we'll we'll lose the NFL, and it'll just be a bunch of thunder talk. And well, I mean, we'll be we'll have the thunder, and then I guess Game I guess of Thrones. We can prep for the NFL draft. Yeah, NFL draft prep. We'll have Game of Thrones to talk about whenever, or just to watch. That'll be fun. Oh goodness! Probably gracious. won't. April is going to be a great. A- month. April's going to be a fantastic month. I'm pretty pumped about it already. But as far as off seasons go, it won't be too brutal. I think. Um, yeah, so that's that's all I have to really say about uh, this season. Kind of wrapping a bow on it, looking towards next year, and uh, yeah. Um, any kind of final thoughts you have? I know we really hit it. This was a pretty good podcast. I think we got up. This is about an hour over. So yeah, I mean, that's good. This is like our good mid-season length. I mean, there's so much to talk about. Like we could have gone on and on about. Of it. course, I, I can't understand how this lasts so long. <laughs> we must have superpowers last 225,000 hours. Shout out to Short. Uh, absolutely. I don't know if you did that yeah. on purpose, but it still worked. <laughs> I, I definitely did. <laughs> yeah, I figured, I figured there's no way you accidentally would drop in a Too Short reference. But, yeah, no, so, yeah, um, it's, it's good to be back, good to kick off the off season. So uh, thank you for listening, as always. We'll be back with some talk eventually. Uh, look, look for an off the wagon eventually whenever I decide – talk about or find something to talk about but that'll be pretty fun so yeah uh we're just gonna keep this thing rolling so as usual from jameson and i thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you next time whatever whatever that is so
Bye, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Another stellar ending. Yes, always, always, always the best closer. Just like, just like OU football can't close.